Good morning. Welcome to the return of Byline Mendocino. I am your host, Alicia Bales. Byline Mendocino is coming back for a little while while Bob Bashansky takes a break from Politics, a Love Story. I will be with you every other Friday from 9 to 10 a.m., alternating with Joy LeClaire and Forthright Radio, probably for a couple of months. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm really glad to be back. There's a lot going on, and I have a lot that I'd like to bring you. Um, today, we're going to be talking with Walter Smith about PG&E's ongoing tree clearing around their power lines. Of course, if you are uh, paying any attention at all in Mendocino County, you've seen PG&E crews clearing uh, trees and vegetation around their power lines. There seems like they're doing 10 years worth of deferred maintenance all at once um, because of the catastrophic deadly wildfires that PG&E has caused with their power lines being uh, not maintained. So the state legislature passed a law a couple of years ago that's allowed them to do what they call enhanced vegetation management or EVM, which is an acronym we're going to be talking about a lot this morning. Basically, all forestry laws are off, including really hard-won protections for old growth, for streams and watercourses, for habitat and endangered species, cumulative impacts. All of this is off the table because EVM is um, it's a, um, a, a an exemption for cutting. So it's like a chance to use the panic over wildfires to cut trees they were never able to cut before, even in protected places like Humboldt Redwood State Park and Faulkner Park in Anderson Valley, with no oversight, no public comment, no transparency about the rationale for which trees are to be cut and no right for private landowners to object in any meaningful way. So contractors are paid by the tree incentivizing even more cutting, and ratepayers are ultimately going to foot the bill for all of this logging that's happening. Most of the logs are being chipped, but in at least one case that we've found in the last month, um, PG&E sold the logs and took uh, along the power lines through Jackson Demonstration State Forest. They were able to pay Cal Fire for the trees, which they then sold to Mendocino Redwood Company, who told us they're going to make a $1.4 million off of those saw logs, which included old growth redwood trees. So this week, the Mendocino Board of Supervisors approved a letter to Governor Gavin Newsom and the Office of Energy Infrastructure Safety, which I guess is a new office that we'll be talking about, requesting a moratorium on EVM and PG&E's unregulated cutting so the damage can be assessed. My guest this morning knows all about this. This is how I've learned, along with Sarah Reith's reporting for, for the KZYX News, how I've learned about some of the very surprising and complicated ins and outs of this situation. My guest is Walter Smith. He's spent his lifetime working to create sustainable forestry policy. He's a skilled timber faller himself, a homesteader, co-founder of the Institute for Sustainable Forestry. He was a member of the Forest Advisory Committee, back in the 90s, the famous FAC. And over the last 20 years, he's worked with communities around the world to combat deforestation, stop the conversion of forests to ag land and development. And a lot more. Hey, Walter, welcome. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Long introduction. But it's, there's yeah. a lot going on. So Great. you had heard about PG&E's plans to cut ancient redwoods along their power lines in Faulkner Park, and you were kind of like, this couldn't really be happening. It, and, and then PG&E came to your land. So can you 
Can you talk about your experience of finding out about the realities of PG&E's enhanced vegetation management? Sure, yeah. Well, it did. It really did um, surprise me, I guess, when they talked about Faulkner Park. Um, I got a call from Mickey Colfax um, wanting to know what I knew about it, and I thought, well, this just can't be true. They wouldn't be going into a park and cutting down redwood trees would they um well of course they did i mean they they had done the marking and 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 fortunately um citizens that drove by the park um questioned what was going on and and um fortunately it got that halted um i've been living with pg&e on my property for 37 years so i've had a lot of experience with them and they've come and done tree trimming and most of the tree trimming that they've done have been more problematic than actually helpful so i guess and maybe i can talk about this later um in terms of what caused fires from quote trees falling because that's all all we know when we read the papers um about how those trees fall anyway getting back to the my reality of old growth cut so uh they came to my place as they were coming to other of my neighbors one by one and they came and said oh, we're going to come or they called and said we're going to come tomorrow and we're going to mark trees um you know for vegetation management well <clears throat> um you know again for me vegetation management has been something that's been going on in my property for a long time uh so i said okay so they came to the the four or five people actually came to my property and uh and they said well we're going to go and mark some trees um and i said well i want to go along with you and they said oh just let us go and mark the trees and then we'll negotiate later and i said well there's really no negotiation i'm going to tell you which trees you can cut (laughs) and um that might have surprised them a bit but anyway so they started crawling around my property marking trees and inventorying trees so the other thing is that they're inventorying tree any tree that will hit the line has been inventoried um so actually pg&e has an inventory of all trees within striking distance of the lines um and they do diameter and height so they know uh, what the species are the volumes and blah 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 um so I pointed out to them my um, my old growth patch, which is over top of my water system. And I said, I'm not going to let you cut any of those trees over there. And I said, it, you know, if you if you mark them, you know, I'm, I said, I'm going to be really upset about it. So anyway, so um, a few days later, it wasn't the same crew, different crew what was over there marking. And I went over and talked to them. And the guy was a kind of an older guy. And he said, I said, um, you know, I, I don't want you to mark any of these trees here because my water system's here and they don't lean towards the lines anyway. And he said, I have to go by this cutting criteria that's on my computer. And there are certain things that will get marked to cut and I won't be able to go any farther. Lean won't matter. Um, the species of tree won't matter. It all has to do with whether it's diseased or whether it's 
quote, diseased, or whether it's, um, quote, defective. So anything that has a double top was considered defective, whether the tree was healthy or not. If it had two tops, it was marked. If it had um, conch on it, the old older uh, trees do have conch on them, and eventually it does rot them down, but, you know, um, it's generally not necessarily an issue anyway all these trees leaned away from the property and they marked like 50 percent of the old growth trees on my place uh, over top of my water system some of them very close to my water system my water system is an underground creek uh, at the bottom of this hill that feeds several houses and the old timers left these trees why because it's going to protect the water system and very um, logical reason for doing that so when I went, th- I went back and saw how many trees they marked I just had a meltdown <laughs> and um, I said to myself you know you just screwed with the wrong person and I said I'll and and you'll never guess who my first telephone call was to Naomi Wagner. <laughs> You're going to bring the earth firsters in. <laughs> we were going to sit in the trees if we needed to. Anyway, I, you know, that probably um, put the fear of God into them. So, and I, you know, so I talked to Naomi and I then just started thinking of all the people that I'm sure were not, um, you know, were not in favor of this. And then I, I called David Simpson and Jane Lapiner and so on and started hearing stories of, from everywhere about what was going on that these people were just that PG&E contractors were just slaughtering trees and telling lies to the landowners about how they were going to be responsible if they didn't cut their trees down and how the PG&E owned that. I mean, even I got that story, that PG&E owned all the trees within striking distance of the lines and they were going to come and, you know, the court order and they were going to arrest me. And I literally heard all of that stuff. Wow. And this is thousands of miles. I mean, millions of trees. Yes. And the issue is when then... I sat down with my wife, Karen, and we looked at each other and going, this is going on not just in our neighborhood, but this is going on all in Mendocino County. This mm-hmm. is going on in all the surrounding you know, um, counties and essentially all of Northern California. And it's just unbelievable. And so that's how I started getting interested, I guess, in uh, looking up and trying to understand how this all came about. And um, and as Alicia said, it's just a total panic over the fires. And I put the blame directly on Governor Newsom. Um, he wanted to do something, show the, you know, he wants to be president. He wanted to show everybody he was going to do something about the California fires. So... You know, he just turned PG&E loose on us, and um, we need to stop it. The other thing is, as we started looking into the fire science, um, I started. I called uh, Cal Fire um, Forest Practice Inspector to come out and look at my trees, and he agreed with me that none of them were a danger to the lines, uh, so on and so forth. Everything that we've done, I've talked to the contractors, I've talked to PG&E, you know, um, director of the evm for this area i've talked to and the stories are just 
incredible Mm -hmm. um they don't talk to one another they get paid by the tree they you know the there's the different contractors don't talk to one another no even the different contractors and even the person who comes and marks the tree says well we're going to tell the contractors x y and z well then the contractor comes and does something completely different it might not be the same contractor that he's been working with so it's just it's just a mess and there's no um oversight there's no public comment there's no even plan that you can request i know uh supervisor williams has been trying to get their plan for months now and there's just nothing and the thing i want to point out and why you're such a good person to talk about this is that you've been involved in forestry policy for almost four decades this is a whole different thing it's as if all of the fights of the last 30 years about forest protection and forest health and you know logging versus cumulative impact and all of these fights that we've had are is it if it, it never happened because we're in this kind of disaster capitalism moment where people are scared about wildfires and willing to take anything and so pg&e like you said has been cut loose to with absolutely no one watching them like and no and landowners like yourself have no recourse to go in and ask questions or stop it well the i mean i think the other thing is that the way they came about it by landowner by landowner and almost appearing as though they had the authority to do whatever they wanted um a lot of landowners just didn't resist um even though they wouldn't may not have wanted their trees cut down they just didn't resist because they just felt like well this is the way it has to be the lines are through my line or my property um so you know so that also became and then there's some landowners that actually want the trees cut down um it's going to open up light to their property whatever it might be maybe there's a tree that's threatening their house um so on and so forth but um and just to watch what's going on um is just so frustrating because many of the trees they cut down just don't threaten the lines it's it's just as simple as that and i think that's um why i've got so many people like i was saying like there's three or four timber fallers that are on my email list and they're all frustrated because they know that these trees don't threaten the lions and and they may not be um worried about the environmental part but it's more like the cost and the just ridiculousness of cutting down trees that aren't going to threaten the lions makes it frustrating and then of course rate payers now are going to pay for all of that um and i think the other thing that i just thought about is that you know i have all these miles and miles of lines and if they wanted to do something immediately that was going to protect the lines they should have focused on only those trees that were going to threaten the lines this is alicia bales it's byline mendocino uh we uh the return of Byline Mendocino. Bob Bashansky with Politics Love Story is taking a little bit of a of a break, so I'll be here with you probably for the next couple of months, alternating with Forthright Radio and Joy LeClaire. And today I am in the studio with Walter Smith. We're talking about PG&E's enhanced vegetation management and the um, kind of shock doctrine of uh, rolling back of all environmental rules and oversight and forest protection in order for PG&E to go out and cut every tree with no ability for any landowner to to stop it in any way. So this happened in Walter's on Walter's property in Willits and it's happening all over the region. So Walter, welcome back. <laughs> so where did we leave off? Ah, we were talking about um the idea of 
trying to protect the forests from these catastrophic wildfires and the carbon that gets released during these forest fires. Uh, but but you're going to say something about the carbon that's released from PG&E's logging. Right, yeah. So, again, um, a lot of the carbon released from forest fires, of course, from mostly from other reasons, not necessarily from PG&E, and also not necessarily from trees falling on the PG&E lines. Uh, some of it's just their infrastructure falling apart um, and that causing fires. So, um, because they spent years and years and years um, not maintaining their lines. Um, For all the best reasons, right? Because they wanted to provide the best service, so they didn't maintain their lines. Well, that and they wanted to keep their profits up and pay their <laughs> their stockholders. <laughs> um, but they, um, and you know, that's a, of course, that's a whole other issue that we can talk about. Why, why is this utility of um, a private stock or shareholder owned company when it's, um, you know, it's the only game in town uh, for us. Right. We're not talking about like a law abiding company. This is a company that has been convicted of killing people. It's a it's a criminal company. It's right. then it's declared bankruptcy. And we're facing this situation with them because of their malpractice. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, again, our legislature should just take it over, break it up and make them. Uh, public utilities and of course that's a whole other discussion that uh, i'm not that versed on but uh, getting back to the you know cutting the trees so now now they're cutting down trees that don't need to be cut down which is also reducing carbon sequestration for um uh, you know our state and for the world and um just over uh over cutting um again when it was a just a minor part of our forest fire problem in reality. Um, and there's no planning. The other thing is that, you know, we, we talk big about climate change and we talk big about what we need to do for climate change. And yet they're at both our political level and, um, and you know the utility level there's no like big plan that says we're going to look at um every all the development we do through the lens of climate change so um so there's just a lack of imagination and of course you know there's many um people constituents that um that are going to have a hard time with the changes that need to be that need to happen. But if you get back to the utility, just looking at a big plan, what are you going to do in terms of high fire danger areas like mine and Pine Mountain and um, you know other places in the Sierras, burying lines, um, putting in technology that will de-energize the lines uh, if a tree happens to fall on it, um, moving 
the poles, moving lines. These are all other alternatives other than cutting the trees. But the biggest thing is just why are they allowing them to cut trees that don't threaten the lines? I mean, that's just the, for me, sort of the bottom line beyond them creating more fire hazard by removing the canopy that's going to keep the underbrush. So that's one thing. The other thing that about my old growth patch is that you look at it and if you walked in it, there's no understory. There's no understory because the crowns have been overtopped. There's no limbs for the, you know, 60 feet. Um, I had, you know, the Cal Fire guy there, and he asked me if I had actually done, you know, um, a force, you know, management to keep the fire hazard down. I said, no, I've never done anything simply because it didn't have to do anything. It's doing it on its own. But now they've opened it up. All my neighbors, all their trees are gone. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know how that's going to affect my trees. They've created these wind tunnels now that are going to, um, create more wind hazard in terms of uh, fire. They've opened it up. More underbrush is going to grow in places where there was already underbrush was just starting to sort of die back because the canopy was getting over, was overtopping it. And now they've cut the trees. Now all that understory is going to grow back. Um, we all know, again, that, you know, that there's been cow fires that actually even argued against this from the sense of, um, you know, creating more fire hazard over time. So, um, so anyway, looking back at you know this whole issue of climate change and how do we deal with that, and then we need an overall plan. How is this going to happen? How are how are we going to reduce our carbon footprint and sequester more carbon? You know, we've had this <clears throat> issue at Jackson State Forest, of course, where you know the citizens want to see it as more as a uh, um, a carbon sink as opposed to being you know a, a timber harvesting um, organization um, so anyway I'm just um, happy um, as well as that the supervisors um, did sign that letter yeah. yeah let's talk about that let's talk I would like to talk about um, you have done sort of quantified you've run some numbers about the the number of trees uh, and as a as a logger, that's you know your professional history as you know you're a skilled timber faller and worked in the industry. You also are aware of the the kind of the economic impacts or the waste that's going on with saw logs that are being cut and the board feet that is being taken from people's land and chipped. Um, I wonder if you can let's first talk about that and you know the fact that you're not. They're taking saw logs but not milling them. Um, but then the other thing is that actually in Jackson State, they did take saw logs and pay for them and are, they are being milled and they're making a profit off of it. So like looking at those those kind of two aspects of this, like in terms of just the waste, but also how dangerous it is dangerous it is to add a profit incentive to this kind of climate shock that's going on where you know people are panicking and cutting every tree they you know without any oversight or any research into what actually is going to work um and then making money off of it so i know that's not a very clear question but you know what i'm getting at yeah um well you know again the even even the information that you get from pg and e um is um is always suspect i guess um i just watched one of the early um uh, press conferences by the 
CEO of PG&E, and uh, she had said there was eight million trees that needed to be removed um, in in you know PG&E's um, utility area. And um, so I just started figuring out, I don't have the figures with me now, but I just started figuring out, well, 8 million trees, if they were had so many board feet per tree, and, and uh, I think I said 500 board feet per tree, um, depending on the species, and you got $500 a thousand, you know, it would be worth like $600 million of lost revenue uh, to the state and to the uh, landowners. Um, again, if we started paying people then you know would we even have a bigger problem you know there's there's no really good answer to it uh, other than the answer is now it's just a waste and i think again a lot of the people that i talk to that are old loggers or you know timber fallers or foresters is just you know the waste of the lumber is is um untenable but um now my landowner and some of the other one i mean landowner next to me and some of the other ones are going to have millers come in and mill some of the wood that's there not all of it um, some small parcels just had these logs they bring in these big trucks with a boom and they and actually when they drop the logs into this cavernous truck <laughs> it sounds like an explosion going off um, and they take it down to be chipped and if you'll notice the big chips and Calpella, the big chip piles in Ukiah, and now they're starting to even deck logs and willets um, from the um, from the vegetation management. So it's a it's just such a waste of resources. Besides cutting trees that you know could be sequestering carbon, now we're just grinding them up, and uh, and I don't even know what all of it's going to. Some of it's going to be, of course, burned um, for. Um, producing electricity which seems a little ironic um but um it's just you know it's just such a waste of resources and that the crime of it is that they needed you know like 90 percent of them didn't need to be cut to begin with um yeah so i guess that's you know if that's the answer about all the wasted um you know um material that's out there the other thing is um just talking about the board of supervisors and again i'm i'm glad that they are going to pass this letter on and um i'm hoping that uh governor newsom is listening this morning i'm sure he listens to kzyx hey gav <laughs> um <laughs> that uh um that just really needs to stop and there needs to be a, a large plan and i guess what i was going to say is that it, <clears throat> starting in um january 1st 2022 there is a law in which pg&e is supposed to come up with a plan and share it with this cpuc <laughs> and of course they haven't done it yet we're now almost halfway through uh the year but this is not unusual pg&e has missed every deadline for everything that they're supposed to do uh mike mcguire our senator has introduced a bill um to to get them to underground a certain number of miles each year. They said they were going to underground 10,000 miles, and they said, well, how many have you done so far? 163 miles. I mean, it's just, like, ridiculous that they're so, um, what's the word, so incompetent at PG&E. This is the biggest issue is that they're incompetent. Um, I had mentioned that um, 
the other day, last Saturday, they came and they put in a new pole at my neighbor's house. They could have moved that pole and saved from cutting a bunch of trees. They could have moved it into the open, and they didn't. There's and there's. I went and talked to those guys. There's no communication about the veg management people and those putting in the new poles. They will be. We do know they'll be changing um, hardened poles, and I think some of them are metal and play in high fire danger areas. But I'm going. Well, if you're going to put in new poles, uh, you could be looking at. Where's the vegetation and how do we avoid it, you know? But that's not doing. They're just going to go back and put poles in the same place they've always been. Walter, what is this like for you after all these years working on forestry policy? It's like suddenly we're in, it's like a different dimension. It's like we've gone through the looking glass and nothing makes sense and there are no answers and nobody seems to to care. It's just this rush to... um, cut as many trees as possible old growth trees are being cut nobody's overseeing it it's taking a toll right on everybody yeah i think that uh, you know the uh, for me it's been it's been really difficult um and i'm sure for other people i wake up every day around eight o'clock and i'm watching my road waiting for those trucks to come up the hill again listening for the chainsaws so i have to go and you know do i have to go out and defend my property again uh from you know from the um um, from the vegetation management contractors you know did they actually know where they were things you know were trees that have been refused do they know which ones they really are is their gps thing working properly i mean all these questions go through your head every single day but i think the biggest thing is and the biggest frustration that that most people have and it really gets down to the whole issues around uh corporate power and the the powerlessness that we feel when we continue to talk to our um legislatures legislators and they're not doing anything about it mike mcguire and i hope mike mcguire's staff is listening this morning can do something about it first he needs to kill bill 396 and he needs to put in bills that make pg and e actually follow some environmental laws and meet all their obligations and if not they need to take it away from them period so it's just you know corporate power at at right in our face we all kind of know about corporate power and we talk about it a lot but here's one that's right in our face where every day they're doing whatever they well please and we have little power to do anything about it and in this case pg&e um, essentially gives money not to Democrats and Republicans. They give money to winners. They give money to people they know are going to win in those districts so that they have some sort of sway with the legislature. And again, they're the only, you know, game in town. How do you protest against PG&E? How do you boycott PG&E if you're, if you're, we're all taking electricity from them? You know, these are, these just make it even more, um, more frustrating it's more necessary for government to have a role in the oversight and um actually give real consequences when they break the law which they have a history of doing um yeah you talk about them giving money to winners do you know how much money they've given to governor gavin newsom well you know there's been 
um, you know, there's but there's plenty of news about it if you just go on Google and find out what it is. Yeah, uh, Governor Newsom's gotten a lot of money. Even you know, our legislators have gotten money from them, whether they've given it back or not, or whether they take still take it. At, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the the issue is that um, they've you know, um, report after report, audit after audit from any number of agencies find that PG&E is not keeping you know not following up on their promises not following up on the law and they just continue to allow them to do that and i'm just at a loss uh, you know at why that is who's supposed to be overseeing the cutting of trees in this in this region who would you like if this was happening in normal times who would you call well i do have a number and uh, of a you know that it enhanced veg management person at PG&E. They tell you to call their 5,000 number. I don't remember what it is. It's in the book. And of course, nobody ever answers the phone. You have to go through a myriad of, you know, who, uh, of, um, what do you want? Automated, you know, press this button and press that button and you never get a live, uh, person. You don't even get a live person if you have, you know, if you have a, a, um, a power line down and the only way you do it is you have to push the emergency and that's the only way you get a live person so anyway it's it's just been that's frustrating as well as who do you call who do you talk to and it really if you get the wrong person they can't do anything for you anyway because you know they they don't have um any authority and and of course that's been um reported on by these you know um, agencies that audit them is that even the employees are frustrated. The, the employees are frustrated because no matter what they say, it doesn't go anywhere. So as an example, the person who's the enhanced veg management um, manager for this area called him. Um, uh, well, they called me actually and, and because I had refused these trees and I said, um, he said, well, you want me to come out there and look at your trees? And I said, uh, you can only come out and look at the trees with me if you will make a decision on the trees based on the tree itself, on its condition, on its lean, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, I might as well not come out because I can't disagree with the cutting criteria. Uh-huh. And all of the cutting, even all the um, people who are doing the marking say the same thing. And they have to mark the tree or they'll lose their job because essentially what's going to happen is that there's another crew going to come by. And actually, that's actually happening right now. So I just got a report from one of the people that's on my email list that now there's a new flag. It's pink with black polka dots. And so the next level, whatever you want to call it, it's like Groundhog Day. Um, They're coming back. They're coming back and remarking trees that the other veg management people either quote missed or that we refused and they want to cut them down so it you know the the whole saying it ain't over until it's over um you know right now in my in my neighborhood it's quiet it's been quiet for several days um all last week um but they're going to be back Mm -hmm. um the other thing is the regular veg management people have come through They've marked trees. They use a different color flag. They actually use a red flag, and a red flag was f- was for trees to be saved from the 
enhanced veg management now there's a bunch of red flags that mean cut so you know so now it's you really have to watch your tree so again this is not you know i'm i'm giving you examples of what happens um what's been happening to me but this has been happening all over all right we have a caller we're going to open up the phone line 707-895-2448 this is byline mendocino i'm alicia bales live in the studio with walter smith discussing pg&e's enhanced vegetation management let's try this hey caller you're live on the air oh thanks for this uh, most valuable program uh akzyx so uh i'm a uh, my my force my land here is a fellow victim to uh, PG&E's nonsense. Uh, I came, I, I, let me start here. I have a portable sawmill that I've had for a number of years, and uh, I've taken blow-down trees, a little bit of thinning, and uh, along the PG&E line, which uh, one piece of property has about a 1,000 feet of PG&E, I came home one day, and all the saw logs I'd been dreamed about were sitting in toothpick piles on my property. It was... Uh, Heartbreaking to say the least, and it, the the amount of wastefulness here is sh- absolutely shameful. Uh, Gavin Newsom should be ashamed of himself. Do you know how many houses could be framed with all the all the logs that were destroyed on my land? Not to mention everybody else's land, like Walter Smith. It, it's it it makes no sense at all. It is it, uh, we have another piece of property? It looks like Vladimir. Putin came by and bombed it. It looks that bad, and it's, it is so wasteful. This needs a systemic change from the ground up. Uh, portable sawmills could be an answer. Uh, years ago, during El Nino blowdown, uh, we had a bunch of nice logs come down, and nice trees come down, and had a self-loader, uh, which I'll let Walter explain what that is, but it's a logging truck with a grapple on it that'll take, I think, up to 21-foot logs. And uh, he had a daisy chain, 100 feet long. He could reach out in the woods and pull a, a log real nicely out of the woods and uh, limit and load it on the truck and off to a mill. It went, and I got a small check in the mail, and uh, there was no waste, and somebody got some building materials out of it. It's, it is, uh, these portable sawmills are amazing. Uh, I have one, and I've already started to use some of the logs. I persuaded them to save uh, the logs on another piece of property, uh, and I had to go in at my expense and uh, extract them out of a steep slope and uh, deliver them to my sawmill, and I'm now sawing them up, and I'm probably going to donate some of the wood. I might take some of the lumber and uh, give it to one of the supervisors just so he can see, uh, along with the pile of chips, and see uh, you know, graphically what the difference is there. Uh, but anyway, it, it's, it's totally unnecessary. It needs a, a change from the ground up. All right. Thank you very much for that call, and I'm sorry for what happened to your land. Yeah, well, it's not just me. It's everybody and the poor trees. And it's just, yeah, indeed, when a, uh, when a tree dies, it does start to decay and produce carbon dioxide, uh, but there's no real soot involved in it. It's not a, it's not a sooty carbon dioxide. But uh, if, if these trees do have to come down, why, why grind them up? It is just it, it's, it's inexcusable completely inexcusable the change, again i'll say it for the third time the change needs from the needs to come from the ground up thank you all right thank you for that i didn't know that um you can apply for a utility exemption 
Um, it's a little bit complicated for landowners. I know that, uh, and especially if you only have a few trees. Now, if some of the, my neighbors, one, one neighbor had 70 trees removed. Another one had 100 trees removed. Um, um, they probably had an, enough to be able to um, uh, apply for a utility exemption. But it can only be 10% of the volume of the forest in some cases like 70 trees on and on seven acres probably more than 10 percent of the uh, trees were cut um, and again many of them would have never hit the lines uh, and never even threatened my neighbor's house um, I, some of them he wanted removed because of they were also threatening his house but anyway that, that you know it's just uh, um, it's just a complicated situation, and um, it's complicated for landowners. I did look online. There's there's only like seven exemptions in Mendocino County, which people are getting interesting uh, paid back for you know the logs that have been removed. Um, uh, well, anyway. let, let's talk about a little bit about. Um what to do about it what the community can do about it because everybody's been kind of isolated in their own little disasters on their land but this mm -hmm. is happening to thousands and thousands of landowners but we've got the phone lines lighting up so um let's take our next call 707-895-2448 good morning caller you're live on the air hi hey go ahead and turn your radio off yeah oh, okay sounds like a familiar voice yeah Hi, hi, Alicia and Walter. Thank you for doing this show. I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you about Senate. Is it Senate Bill three ninety six? Is there any um, effort? Is there any effort to uh, get a bunch of people to come go to Sacramento, do some lobbying? Um, it sounds like that bill would would lock into place all the horrible um, violations that are going on. Um, so um, I thought maybe maybe that's a focus for for people to try and bring about this moratorium. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, thanks for that question. For the the, question. Um, the, um, the Sierra Club is opposing it, and uh, there's a number of people, um, a number of Sierra Clubbers in there. Uh, they've been encouraging people to write letters because there's also uh, an Assembly Bill 396. The I mean, I don't want to use sister in this case, the brother Bill. <laughs> um, and, uh, Thank you for that. <laughs> don't gender this. <laughs> but what, what do these bills do? Why are they so well, it's basically, dangerous? Essentially, it's giving the PG&E more power over the over doing whatever they want on your land basically taking the the trees and and i uh, um you know with with no recourse whatsoever so i think that's the in, the issue and then some of the um so assembly bill 396 apparently there was a um a group of um assemblymen that were quote trying to fix it and according to the sierra club now i don't know this specifically i haven't read it myself i haven't read the amendments so they've been they tried to quote fix it and only made it worse the 396 uh the senate bill 396 was introduced by uh senator Dahl, who's actually also running for governor he's republican um uh and i don't you know republican democrat doesn't make any difference we have trouble from both on this in this issue um the um uh 
And I haven't understood why, you know, uh, Senator McGuire being the Senate majority leader just didn't kill it uh, to begin with. But um, so the best thing is to write to McGuire, write to Wood, um, get any of your friends from around the state to write letters to um, tell them to oppose that bill. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for the show, too. All right. Thanks for calling. I mean, they're getting a lot of pressure from from voters in their districts, I guess, to do something about the wildfires, right? So, yeah, so I, you know, and the, and uh, um, you know, this is what's made so difficult um, trying to convince people that that what PG and E is doing is outrageous and is not helping, uh, because most people don't even understand um, about forestry or about tree you know the tree itself and whether it's a danger or not uh we tend to still be a society that thinks that forests are dangerous you know the lions and tigers and bears oh my are they're out there and we're going to get you know somehow it's it's a it's a a problem for us i mean we're the problem we've moved into the forest and we have our you know our utility lines uh in the forest and we do have to figure out what we're going to do and and um and how we're going to um, manage that and some of it could be you know i mean again in terms of an imagination what if we just um put in solar for every house on hilltop with batteries and got rid of the lines i mean this is an issue that could have happened wouldn't be more expensive than what they're doing now <laughs> cost yeah. benefit i mean it, yeah and who knows and the other thing is getting down to the cost benefit the whole issue is around money yeah moving the poles that keeps on well it's really expensive oh really i mean killing people is not a problem but moving the lines because it costs a little extra money or burying the lines because it costs a lot a little money is a problem i i don't sort of get that um you know and again in terms of um climate change looking at different ways of producing energy um that you know can be sustainable over the long term um you know pg e if they had money or the state could you know could loan money to people to solar in it could be you know it could be long-term loans like like your house mortgage or whatever i mean there's lots of things that can be done a lot of you know thinking that needs to be done but when it gets down to money because this company has to satisfy their shareholders and if they have to satisfy their shareholders um then we're you know we've got a problem all right let's take another call good morning caller you are live on the air yeah, count me as among the crew who thought PG&E was doing this right. About two months ago, I had a person come out, and we walked around for an hour and a half, two hours, spotting trees, and, you know, okay, it's okay to cut that one, trim that one. I had a, uh, a several hundred-foot-tall double. I said, absolutely do not cut this tree. Was leaning away from the line, downhill, and she said, oh, yeah, that's not a problem. This week, they came out and without telling me. I just showed up, and suddenly the tree was gone. I just, yeah, PG&E is out of control. And they told me, yeah, there was a hold on the tree until this morning, and then that was cleared. They called me about everything else. These people call me to say, we're going to be uh, site shipping. I'm like, okay. They called me about everything else. They snuck onto the property and cut this tree down. 
I'm furious. I said it was okay to trim the tree, but uh, not okay to cut the tree down. And every time I saw somebody out there with a chainsaw, I said, do not cut this tree. Iconic, beautiful old tree, and they just slaughtered it. Sad. Yeah, this is a story that, that's been repeated a number of times. People are not at home, and they come in and cut down the trees. I know that this has happened to people in uh, Yorkville. It's happened in Humboldt County. Um, it, it's happened everywhere. It's, that's why I'm saying it's every day I wake up, and I look out, I listen for chainsaws, and I watch the road for those trucks to come in. Um and one thing I have to say is, though, you you have to be sure when they tell you they're not going to cut something that they mark that down in their GPS. And I don't know how whether, you know, whether you can tell or not. And I had them put, again, the red flags on the trees. Um, so they'll have a yellow and, uh, well, in the beginning, it was a yellow uh, flag. Um and then, um, or yellow ribbon, uh, which gives a different meaning for, you know, having yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, um, with a yellow X. And, um, so I told them all the trees that, the, that they could take out and they put red flags on them. As I was saying, now, now red flags mean cut. So I don't know what's going to happen. So red flags on them. And then I went and took all the yellow x's off of the trees although on the ribbon itself this is another thing you can look it'll say removal rml it's rmvl <laughs> they'll put on it and they'll put the diameter uh on it usually um as well so um so anyway yeah it just have to stay vigilant it's it's incredible and you know i really feel bad we did get a note from uh, from polly from the uh from the coyote tribe about how they've cut down uh, oak trees there that you know and they're incredibly sad about about that where they, and i don't know whether they came and did it without them knowing about it but um they're just um it's just a rogue group I, there's no other way to uh, explain it and I, I really feel sorry for um for the caller that had to have that happen to him yeah i mean people love their trees this is like coming onto your property and taking your neighbors or in some cases we feel like they're our friends. You know, it's like we we love these these places right. and we cherish them. And, you know, it, it really is devastating personally. But then that and that's just one of the things that's happening. Right. Yeah. So I have a neighbor up the hill the same. They have several big. Um, Douglas fir trees that are around their house and they want to cut them down and they've refused as well so far and um, you know and good for them again they've lived there for a long time their family's been there for a long time um, and those trees have been there with them so um, yeah um, so being vigilant um, and again the second wave is coming through so I you know even the ones that they left from the time before uh, will probably be remarked, and you're going to have to go back and do this whole fight over again. And this isn't going to stop the wildfires. And it's not going to stop the wildfires. We're no. still going to have a fire season. Yes. And that, again, I want to know is that they, if they're doing all of this and they're not prioritizing the ones that actually are a problem, then we're going to have trees that are going to fall on the lines, which are go then going to cause the 
you know, the politicos to go nuts again and decide that they're going to have to cut all the trees when they didn't cut the right trees to begin with. Right. And I was saying earlier um, that the trimming of the trees, this is one part that I didn't get to, the trimming of the trees, they trimmed trees on my property to a point where in 1994, they trimmed the limb underneath, 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 and the limb grew across the lines and grew across the lines and got bigger and bigger, and it finally crashed down one morning in August, started a fire on our property, took down two poles. I mean, this was their problem, not the problem of the tree itself. And um, the same thing, I had another tree that was standing next to it that died, a pine tree. They left it for two years. All of this has to do with economics. They only get paid for doing a certain amount, and they're given a cr- criteria, and it's based on how much it's going to cost to deal with these trees. So again, if they're, if they have to pay share, that money that's going to shareholders needs to go to, you know, to doing the right thing, burying lines, doing all the other things that we need to do to protect the forest and protect our property and protect our lives. Um, and also to start looking at how do we deal with climate change in terms of how we're going to get our energy. Yes. Okay. My guest is Walter Smith. I'm Alicia Bales. This is Byline Mendocino back for a short series while Politics A Love Story takes a a short hiatus. Um, Walter, we've just got about two minutes left in the program. I wonder if we can start to focus um, or, or kind of leave listeners with a sense of like, are people organizing? How can people get involved? We're outraged. What can people do to to make a difference and, and have their voices be heard in this issue? Right now, this is, um, I think I said early on in my, uh, many of you people may um, not know this, but I have an email list and I, I started that with, uh, early on just to try to connect with all of my uh, friends that I know. They're worried about, um, um, you know, the environment. But, um, but then I started finding out that there's people, individual groups all over California that are worried about what's going on. And Unfortunately, we're not coordinated and we're, you know, the, the Sierra Club is probably right now the best venue because they have, you know, their, of course, their connections in at the state level and also, um, their, um, individual, um, committees that are working on this. They do have a utility committee and that's been working on this. So, um, um, we should have a meeting, I think. Um, Mike McGuire had said that maybe he would put on um, a um, a meeting in Ukiah, which people could then come and voice their objections. So, you know, maybe that's something we should push for, uh, at least for our neighborhood. But um, again, it we're a little uncoordinated and uh, we need to become more coordinated so, over time. Yeah, so basically we need local organizers, it sounds like. Somebody who would be willing to put out their phone number or put out their email and, and start to gather people together. Um can do, are you willing to put your contact out or or what should we do yeah i'll put my contact okay. out. i need some you know you can email me call me uh on the phone it's uh walter at pacific.net if you want to send me an email that's simple okay yeah 
Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us, but we'll be talking about this more. Um, and people, if they want to find out more, Walter at Pacific.net, your emails have been incredibly useful and informative, especially because it's hard to get information about this. Also, Sarah Wright and the KZYX Local News has been doing very in-depth and consistent coverage about this since ba- back in November. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll be back with you in two weeks and tune in next week at this time for Joy LeClaire and Forthright Radio. Thanks, Walter. Thank you. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.